Hey, Mark, thanks so much for joining us today, man. I really do appreciate it. Uh, can we start by you just telling us a little bit about yourself? My name is uh, Mark Loveless. I uh, go by, I've gone by and still go by on occasion uh, on the internet as a simple nomad. And that's actually how I started going on the internet uh, was this, this an anonymous guy that uh, is uh, a holdover from uh, the old uh, BBS days awesome. uh, or the handle. Uh, that's where I first used it and uh, been doing the, did the hacking thing for uh, a long time somehow turned it into a, a career uh, where I became a uh, called a security researcher. That's basically what my title has been for the past. Well, since uh, officially since 1999, I, wow. the last five jobs I've had, uh, I've worked remote and also I've uh, had the uh, security researcher or researcher in somewhere in the title of every job I've had since then. I found bugs. Uh, I've uh, come up with ways to secure systems. I've come up with ways to break into systems. And uh, I've given talks and whatnot at uh, various, uh, various uh, hacker conferences and security conferences uh, all over the place. I used to get interviewed in the press a lot. I don't as much anymore it still happens though i did a press interview this week but i mean it for the most part it's uh i i i'm still active and i still do uh, plenty of plenty of stuff and uh you know happily employed probably i i joke that i'm probably overpaid because i would do what i'm doing for a living for a lot less money <laughs> just simply because i love what i do right Right. So uh, that's, uh, you know, so it's, it's just a lot, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So you said since 1999, you have been considered a security researcher or researcher of, you know, the, the nomenclature for your title. So uh, officially, it, yes, you must've been one of the first people to have that title, right? I mean, that's, yeah. The company I worked at before, um, I got that job where that was the, in the title, um, uh, was, uh, I, they were like, uh, it was, it was, well, it was, uh, Burlington Northern Santa Fe railroad. Okay. okay. And, um, I think at the time, I don't remember how many employees they had. I don't know. Tens of thousands and no security department. Okay. They had it. Okay. And I worked in it, but I was kind of the, you know, the go-to security guy. I ended up being the first member of this, the security team when it formed. Wow. And, uh, it was, that was a tough, uh, that was tough going. And, uh, but, uh, I, I mean, during that time I've been doing the hacking thing way before then. Right. So all through the nineties, I was, I was doing that back even in the eighties. Uh, believe it or not. So, uh, awesome. Uh, so, uh, you know, so it was, the security was in my, in my blood, but it's just like to get the offer of, uh, becoming a researcher that was, uh, you know, full time. I mean, at work at the railroad, it was, I could do some stuff, but I mean, for the most part, it was, you know, just heads down work, work. I love how you mentioned BBS days earlier because I kind of cut my teeth on BBSs back in the day. So, uh, you know, you had mentioned that you're, you've been a security researcher since 1999. You're at GitLab now. So what is, what is the, the day as a security researcher at GitLab? What does that look like? Uh, well, it's, I don't, I, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know. I don't operate in days. Okay. Typically at you know, where I work, we operate in uh, month to month or even by the quarter. Okay. Uh, GitLab itself, uh, you know, the, the product written by GitLab, we use the product to write the product. It's a DevSecOps platform and they do a monthly release. Okay. Like a full, you know, dot number <laughs> release right. uh, every month on the 22nd, uh, regardless 
Okay. And it's always, it's always been that way. It goes back years. So most of the things that we do, uh, in groups are typically done quarter to quarter with the, there's a few groups that are exceptions to that. And, uh, the security research team is one of those. We okay. will work on projects that may take longer than a quarter. I worked right. on some that have taken, you know, nine, 10 months, 12 months and whatnot. Um, usually what I'm doing is, is I'm exploring a lot of times I'm exploring new technologies or I'm using, you know, my expertise in some area that is needed somewhere and I'll help with the, some project, something right. like that. Like, like I, I understand a little bit about cryptography. So I've been, they were, they had a, we had a project involving cryptography. And so I, I worked on that, Got you. you know, that kind of thing. So there's been, uh, th things like that. And it's kind of fun. Cause you know, then all of a sudden, you know, I get to write like, you know, the, I got to write the cryptographic standards for the, uh, for the company to use, you know, things that's like cool. that. And so that's, and that's, and that's fun. Okay. I mean, it may not, it probably doesn't sound like fun to <laughs> most people, but to, you know, to nerds where you get to say, Oh, I, by the way, I've done this. I've tested it. I've researched it. You know, here's this, here's what you should do when you're doing your code thing. Right. I, so, and actually that's probably the easiest part. That's the easiest take on my job. The hard part is <laughs> selling it to someone else, <laughs> <laughs> particularly when you end up going over to the people that have got to implement it, right. whether it's people that are managing infrastructure, where there's people that are writing code for the product and you're, and you're saying, uh, do this, don't do that. And you've got to figure out a way to not come off as the evil security guy <laughs> and realize that people are going to have feedback for you and going to ask a lot of odd questions, uh, particularly uh, really thought provoking or, well, what about this? Or what about that? And then, you know, you're, you know, <clears throat> off down a rabbit hole trying to figure out, you know, you know, the, an answer to their question and stuff like that. So it just, it's a weird, weird kind of job. Got you. You could, you, but there's still like really fun things you get to do. So, yeah. Well, you had mentioned uh, in that response that you get to work with a lot of like new and emerging technologies and stuff like that and, and, mm -hmm. and stay on top of the latest tech. Is there any, is there any latest tech out there that you're excited about or that, that kind of, you know, has given you a level of excitement that you're, you're just, you really want to jump into it and, and learn more about it? Uh, yeah, AI uh, is obviously uh, a cool thing. I've had an interest in it uh, two jobs ago, despite my hacker background. And when I say hacker background, I mean like investigated by the federal government on at least two occasions that I'm aware of background. Right. Uh, I still managed to get a job at a, a government contractor and have a security clearance. So, you know, uh, this was, you know, obviously way pre Snowden. So I guess they weren't checking as well or something. I have no idea, but anyway, I got, and it there, I was working, this was over a decade ago and I was working on uh, AI projects. Oh, wow. Uh, there. And so, uh, I've always had a, a real interest in, in that. And I mean, typically my work was like, you know, helping to, you know, massage the data to create the models and, and, and stuff like that. Got you. Uh, and, uh, I'm, I, I find the whole focus right now on the, uh, on these, uh, AGI things like chat GPT and mm -hmm. all, all the open AI stuff. I, I found, I find those entertaining and fascinating. Awesome. Uh, uh, they're, they're useful They're They are useful, uh, to a certain degree. I like uh, Google's offerings as well. Yeah. You know, so, so I'm excited about, uh, the, I'm excited about the potential for automation, particularly of security related things. And I'm not, I know a lot of people are nervous about AI and stuff, but right. then you start talking to them and they're saying, well, you talk to your phone and, and talk to Siri and Alexa, and you don't have any problem with that. You know, you're doing, you know, you're, there's, you know, some smarts involved with making all that work. 
Right. You know, you use a Google search engine, you know, which is kind of in that same ballpark as far as information. It's just that, you know, right now, ChatGPT is, it just tries to convince you it's right, as opposed to Google just saying, well, here's some stuff you're going to have to look at and figure out what's right. When when did you first discover and install Linux? Probably, um, uh, it was uh, mid, mid-90s. I remember the first kernel that I saw, uh, I think was like 0. 0.9. Wow. 0. <laughs> 0.8, 0. 0.9. So a long time ago. And it was fun because, um, well, actually, well, I say it was fun. It was frustrating because, what's his name, Linus, you know, mm-hmm. would not really accept all these security type things that people are recommending. They, a lot of them did get put in later on. Eventually, he just, I don't know, he saw the light, but he just thought they were ridiculous. So I was writing patches to my own kernels to uh, do low-level security things. Many of us were. And so uh, I was, I, I didn't get into that until a li- little bit later on. So, but uh, it got me going and I started you know, learning C and uh, VI, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm not an animal. I, there's no way that I would use anything but VI. So I still use VI a lot. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's right. Nan- Nano can suck it and don't even get me started on Emacs, okay? <laughs> it's VI all the way. But it was it was back then and I think the the first distro that I remember because I tried out a lot of different distros as they uh, came around. Um the first distro that I used was probably Slackware. Okay. That, that I stuck with, that I actually stuck with. What made you pick Slackware? Um, I was going through and trying every single one of them. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, just a new, something new would come out and it just like, okay, I'm going to try that. And I don't know, they're just, I mean, once you had them back then, of course, you know, for the most part, I didn't have a system that was even capable of running a GUI, let alone most of these, most of the early systems didn't have a GUI. Mm-hmm. And so I would judge a lot of it on the uh, install process and how easy it was to at least get the thing onto the hardware without a lot of pain. And Slackware seemed to work with what I had, which was junk that I was loading it on. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) so do you still use Slackware today at all? In any oh no 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 yeah no. No, I the the two main OSs I use are um, uh, Ubuntu mm-hmm. and uh, Pop OS. Actually, uh, that's my on my daily driver is uh, for uh, uh, for for a desktop system. Awesome, but uh, yeah, I, I I run a Ubuntu server on a bunch of different systems. Cool. Yeah. I've got a, my old roommate, uh, who first turned me on to Linux. He turned me on originally to Slackware and, uh, he, he still uses Slackware to this day. And, and one of the things that really gets him going now, I guess is, as he's not really moved off of Slackware, but Alpine is where he's at now. He's in the Alpine land and, and mm, just yeah. making everything miniature and, um, obviously doing a lot of, uh, containerizations and those sorts of things. So yeah. just a minimal footprint type of thing. Yeah, I could understand that. Um, so recently, read an article, and this is actually interesting because one of our uh, sales individuals, uh, Bradley, had uh, sent me this article to your site. So if those out there listening to aren't aware, you can go to marklovelist.net and check out his blog. I highly encourage you to do so. Uh, it's a great blog. But on one of your recent posts, um, you were using one of the, the Meerkats uh, to set up a uh, home assistant, which mm-hmm. I've recently been experimenting with as well. Why did you end up kind of going with the meerkat and, and how does that really kind of fit into what you're doing with home assistant? Well, I, as you know, through work, I got a copy of, uh, well, actually not through work. I mean, you can just download it, but I got a copy of uh, GitLab and I, as an experiment, I thought I'm going to run it on a meerkat. Mm. And so I got a meerkat and this was in, uh, 2020, I think. Okay. That I got one. And then, um, I just thought, well, I'll just see if it works. 
you know, uh, whatever. Right. And, I, you know, and not expecting it because I hadn't used any kind of, you know, knuck or anything like that right. before. And it actually worked really well. And I didn't have any problems with it. And I'm already, you know, I was already using System 76 gear anyway. And so when it came time, uh, I looked at using, um, looked at doing Home Assistant and was exploring, okay, well, do I want to just run this out of a container? Right. You know, do I want to do go the Raspberry Pi route and everything? And I wanted more control over the operating system. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be able to load up, uh, it's referred to as hacks, H-A-C-S. Yep. I wanted to load that up. So I wanted all this extra control and... I thought, well, why don't I just get a dedicated, since they say, well, here's the, they, here's the, here's the way they discourage everyone from running it. <laughs> they said, this is the hardest way. And I just thought, okay, well, I'm going to do that one. <laughs> and so I'm running a, a home assistant supervised cool. and they recommend doing it on Debian. So I thought, okay, that's fine. I'll just, I'll, I'll get a meerkat and I'll load up a Debian. There were some problems and you can, there's a the, the blog about it, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I would say the the problems were basically Debian, which I don't know if you've seen the install screens of Debian, but it's just like oh wow, look it's it, it looks like like I don't know Windows ninety five or something. I mean it's just like this unbelievably old interface. It's yeah. like wow, they did not update this interface at all in ten years. So absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was hoping to get it working on Ubuntu, but I, I'm running multiple servers here already, and I just didn't want to take the time to do it. I had the need because I've got a bunch of smart gear in the house that I really wanted to get under control mm-hmm. via Home Assistant. And so I said, well, I'll, just, I'll just do the Debian thing. And uh, But it is working. It is, it's, it's working just fine. So. Well, and I think, you know, a lot of people, I know my, myself, I've been experimenting with Home Assistant simply because, yeah, you have all of these cloud devices, everything wants its own app, everything wants to talk somewhere else, mm-hmm. um, where Home Assistant, I can kind of bring, like, wrangle everything back, right, into my own kind of setup. So, um, yeah, really enjoy Home Assistant for that. Yeah, yeah. that's that kind of plays into the whole, because I've got my own, you know, threat model for my my home network mm-hmm. um, because the, the NMRC domain, NMR, NMRC.org, the hacker domain that I've had up and running for, it's been up and running for 26 years at this point. Wow. I've had a web presence and um, the servers for that have been under attack for uh, all kinds of reasons. And, and if you go through the blog post, you'll like, like, for example, I still get regularly attacked, not nearly as much as I used to, but regularly attacked by uh, there's like a few Chinese APT groups mm-hmm. that come after me and that or that come after NMRC as well as at least two different uh, Russian oh, wow. groups. So I, you know, I, I have this weird threat model. I want everything contained. And I, and so, you know, I'm like, I'm running email off of them, off of these servers. I mean, there's a Mastodon instance, there, you know, there's, uh, you know, obviously web services and stuff like that. So the web right. server, nmrc.org, you go there, it's actually in the other room, <laughs> you know, up and running with a static IP. Love it. Uh, so I'm, I'm used to that kind of control for the network. And so I wanted that kind of control for Home Assistant. I have nothing against the cloud except for my real personal data. Right. You know, I want control over my personal data. That's why my main, I mean, yeah, I do have a, you know, couple of Gmail accounts and stuff like that, but I deem them to be kind of throwaway. Yeah. The, the real meaningful stuff is on the mail server in the other room, you know? And so that's what I want. That's what I wanted out of this uh, IOT stuff. I wanted all the smart stuff that everyone has. It's great stuff. Absolutely. But I just didn't want to, 
have everything out there, you know, going to the, the cloud. And, you know, as I get these things active and working in Home Assistant and they all function properly, then I'm they'll be firewalled off yeah. and won't be able to talk to the Internet, in theory. Yeah. We'll see. Some <laughs> well, of them may not work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll find out quickly if they are talking to the Internet, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Since we talked about the Meerkat, um, do you have any other System76 hardware? It sounded like you said you had System76 gear already. Yeah, I the uh, first uh, System76 laptop I got was a Galago Pro. And that oh. was in 2017, and that was at my previous job. And that was an extra machine. See, most of the time, you know, your employer gives you whatever the company machine is. And so there it was, you know, they, they gave me a Mac. And so I had a Mac. But, you know, it's just like, well, look, I'm doing all this weird research stuff and everything. I need a Linux machine. And I talked them into you know, me being able to expense a, a Galago Pro because I thought, oh, I'm going to run Linux on this thing. This is going to be great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it comes with it. And that was, actually, that was one of the ways I was able to talk them into it. I was just saying, I'm not purchasing a, a, a piece of hardware that has a Windows license built into the price. Right. That I'm essentially not going to use as a wipe. <laughs> it's, this is better. And so I got that. And then I was hoping they would not ask for it back. <laughs> when I say, uh, the company I worked for, it was Duo Security. They got bought by Cisco, and then my job kind of went away, sort of. I mean, I had the opportunity to move over to some, do some research over at Cisco, but it would involve moving. And at this point in my life, my house is paid for because I've been working remote and haven't had to move all over the country. And so I, uh, I said no and thought, well, I'll just be fun employed for a while, you know. And uh, then they asked for the Galago Pro back. And it's just oh. like, oh, man. What a bust. Yeah. So I immediately bought another one. Oh. Okay. So this was uh, uh, late 2018. And then um, let's, and that one, I, unfortunately, I mean, that's, it's been, you know, I had it for a while. Unfortunately, that one has uh, met its untimely demise. The... Uh, <laughs> the battery ended up swelling and uh, uh, broke some stuff inside, you know. So I, I was just like, oh, okay. But I mean, that was actually that was fairly recently. So yeah. <clears throat> so I got a good number of years out of it, and truthfully, that's not an unusual thing that's hap that happens to hardware on occasion. Yeah. Uh, and I and it was just like, okay. Well, fine. Uh, I got a, uh, I also have a Lemur Pro, which I got, I think, in, I think, uh, a couple years ago. So I wanted something smaller, you know, that whole, you know, mobile, you know, small device, you know, running Linux. I could do, you know, as they say, field work, you <laughs> right. know. Right. <laughs> so I had that. And then, of course, the Meerkat in 2000, the first one. So, so between all three, which one's your favorite? Um, it's hard. I, I, well, see, the thing is, is like, uh, I have to break it into two, two things, whether it's a laptop or not laptop, anything that's not a laptop is usually running in server mode mm. to, so, I mean, that's. I, I have one exception. There's a, a large system I have that uh, I'm, I'm thinking about getting, thinking about replacing. But uh, that's just you know parts thrown together into a thing. I use that for. Uh, that that's actually got like a decent video card in it, and yeah, I use that for like say uh, video rendering and you know, you know stuff like that. So I mean. It's, but because uh, I mean the laptops are okay for that, but I like to have something rendered in under an hour as opposed to three or four hours. So you don't right. use a laptop for for that. I so I don't know. I I, I would say uh, I. All right. Let me. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Okay. 
the last laptop I bought was, and I, by the way, I buy laptops all the time. I got a, uh, one of the HP, uh, uh, dev one. Yep. Okay. Came with uh, pop OS. Now the lemur pro came with pop OS. It was an earlier version and I wasn't thrilled with it, but there's obviously been great improvements on it because on the dev one, that's my daily driver. Cool. And so for, uh, you know, it, and so that's, I like the OS on it. I got really angry because I bought the dev one and it was probably a week later. Uh, they announced that they were no longer making the uh, HP Dev one. No. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? Oh my God. And so if I, uh, truthfully, if I had known that I probably would have just got another system 76. Right. You know? And so I'm tempted to do that at some point anyway. So I don't know when it'll happen. I'll, I'll, I'll get some use out of this uh, Dev one. So, yeah, for the time Dev, being, Dev One was definitely uh, is definitely a cool cool little machine. I, I have a lemur myself. That's my work machine. Mm-hmm. I love it because I guess at this point, like I expect my mobile experience to be a portable mobile experience, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. hauling around a three or you know five or eight pound laptop in my bag is not really where I want to be these days. So uh, the lemur seems to really just kind of knock it out of the park for me for most stuff. Yeah, I, I would think after, if, if the uh, uh, pandemic eventually ends, as it, it seems to be going on for and on and on, right. uh, I'll travel more and I'll get more lo- use out of the, the lemur. Although, I don't know, if, if I know me, I'll end up taking Multiple the lemur, the dev one, and probably a, a tablet or something <laughs> when I travel. <laughs> Because right. that's I'm because I'm an idiot. So, <laughs> so uh, I've I've known you for for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We kind of ran in the same circles for a bit. Um, I know some of the stuff that you've worked on, and 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 you know had an opportunity to chat with you about uh, some of the stuff that you've worked on. But is there something either currently? Or maybe back then that that I might not be aware of that was something that's that's that was really cool that you worked on something that you were really proud on proud of. Uh, um, some of the stuff I was proudest of, uh, no one cared. Okay, <laughs> so um, uh, for example, I did a. I figured out how to do a man-in-the-middle attack against, it was Novell Netware. This is, you know, mm-hmm. you know, late 90s, uh, maybe early 2000s. I figured out how to do a man-in-the-middle attack during the login process of a client talking to a server. Uh, so I reverse-engineered uh, Novell Netware's uh, protocol. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a big deal. People are going to flip out over this. Um, no one, no one cared. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so sad. <laughs> you know, and they care even less now because you know, I, I don't even think Netware's got like what five customers now at this point. I have no idea. They're yeah, just maybe. like they had. They had you know just. I think at the time they had like ninety percent of the of the server market mm-hmm. in, in enterprises. And now they've got, you know, just like I said, a hand, probably a handful of customers. I have no idea, but uh, the only people that actually cared about it was uh, the NSA, believe it or not. Really? So, yeah. I got actually, I got approached huh. yeah, and, you know, and I, you know, I'm just, they're saying, Hey, come work for us. And I'm just like, no, you're the man. I'm not going <laughs> to work for the NSA. <laughs> and they, I said, besides, I got a, I got a, you know, the FBI has got a file on me. And I said, we know we've read it. It's no big deal. <laughs> no, you will never work in law enforcement. Right, right. But you can work for us. And he actually said, we're the good guys. So, which huh. I found unbelievably hilarious, but, uh, nonetheless, that was, um, 
and that they were the only ones that seemed to care about it because they saw, I guess they saw the math and everything mm-hmm. and, and kind of got it. So that was one I was really proud of. Uh, another one I worked on a, a, a cryptographic protocol uh, with a, a hacker known as Riverside. Uh, he's the guy that does uh, the wall of sheep at uh, mm-hmm. DEFCON, started wall of sheep at DEFCON. Uh, him and I and another NMRC guy gave some input as well, a guy named Anon Poet. Uh, we put together a thing called uh, the Plausible Deniability Protocol. And I, okay. talked, I talked about it at a, uh, um, I think it was a ShmooCon. I gave a presentation at ShmooCon and talked about that, among other things, and I included the Plausible Deniability Protocol. So, and so, uh, you know, so if you go on YouTube, you can go to my YouTube channel. I've, I've found the, uh, uh, the old talk and it's from like, I don't know, I can't remember when it was a long time ago, but, uh, that, that talk, that was, uh, I talk about that in there. And that to me is, it was a really interesting thing and it's worth watching the video because at one point. I'm talking about random number generation at another part of the talk. And I got nailed in the chest with a schmoo ball. So uh, <laughs> this, just so you know, at ShmooCon, they give out rubber balls to all the attendees and say, if you don't like what the guy's saying, that's up on stage, you have something you can throw at them. And <laughs> I got nailed in the chest during oh that talk. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I found out right after the talk, the guy worked at the NSA. So that made it even better, uh-huh. <laughs> which I found uh. hilarious. Uh, but, and, and even so, that was one of my favorite talks I've ever given. Awesome. In spite well, of the fact that I was being – I literally, if you watch it, there's people interrupting me and heckling me through the – through the talk, but it's still, it's just like, you know, this is, this is fantastic. So, awesome. I mean, that's, that kind of stuff is good. There's a bunch of other things I've done that I really can't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of it is the reason why the Chinese government has come after me a few times. Uh, Got you. Just, let's just say support of uh, people that uh, are in favor of human rights and right. the things that they do against governments and repressive regimes that are going against human rights. Right. So, uh, I'm, I can't even begin to talk about some of that stuff. Yeah. So. And we'll definitely, we'll link to the uh, video in the show notes of the podcast. So if anybody wants to go through and, and watch it, they can go check it out. Yeah. Um, probably you know. not safe for work language wise, but, uh, <laughs> thanks for the disclaimer. You hear that? Yeah, well, it, is a, it, it was the hacker conference. Okay. Another one that from that time, there was a very lame, uh, uh, and I think uh, I, I, th- I think Adam, you might be familiar with this one. Uh, there was a very lame bug that I found with uh, Microsoft uh, with their Wi-Fi thing, and I mm-hmm. did a talk called uh, "Hacking the Friendly Skies," where I used the used the bug to attack other people on the plane yep. that had their laptops out and stuff like that. And I gave this. It's basically about 10 minutes of content and 45 minutes of, of really awful jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I do like that one. That was, that was pretty good. Yeah. And you know, that, that was, that was a fun talk. And I, I, I believe from the NMRC crew and, and some of the people uh, in the group, um, this would have been, early 2000, I believe 2000 to 2004, maybe. Um, I think it was knocked. I think you had originally turned me onto it, which was the, the daemon to do a, um, like a secret knock to open up ports on your firewall to allow you to SSH in and stuff like that. I think you originally introduced that, introduced me to that. And, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that kind of came from the NMRC or at least one of those guys, I believe. 
Yeah, yeah. We, uh, myself and another guy uh, by the name of, of uh, Mad Hat, we came up with, uh, we called it SPA, and it was the, uh, oh, I can't even remember what the protocol, what the SPA stands for, but it was, I don't know, I think, you know, secure packet access or something weird right. like that. But basically what it is is you send in a packet to a server and the server in promiscuous mode would sniff the packet. The firewall's not going to let it in. But this, the demon would listen and you would basically do this PGP signed thing. And it would say, ah, that is that person. I will now open up this port for this person. Right. And it would be open for 30, 60 seconds or so. And then they could SSH in, and then, of course, access to the port is closed. But because the session has been established, they could stay in. So, right. yeah, right. that was that's kind of the weird stuff that we would. Super cool stuff. With. Yeah. You know, super cool we stuff. Have, we have a one we're working on now. I can't talk about it yet, but it's going to be cool. <laughs> well, let, do let us know whenever you can talk about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it'll 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 be cool. Um, what kind of advice would you give someone who might be looking to get their foot in the door with Linux and open source? Buy a computer. Take an old computer you have, if if you're lucky enough. Find someone you know that has an old computer they're getting rid of. Something, whatever. Just get a hold of some hardware. And uh, download and load up Linux. Uh, just, just uh, there's a number of different uh, places where you can go to get information. Uh, YouTube's a great sh source. Mm -hmm. uh, I've pointed more than one person that says, "Hey, I want to get into Linux." I've pointed them at, um, like, say, Learn Linux TV. Yep. It, you know, for example, is is one that I pointed people at. Just said, "This will get you started." You know, they take it, you know, he takes it uh, nice and slow, Jay on there, takes it nice and slow and explains everything. Absolutely. So, I mean, just things like that, that's, and you can move at your own pace. And if you want to get, you just say, no, this is too simple for me, or no, I've advanced further. There are other places you can go, but I just say, just get started, get your feet wet, start using it. Use, I mean, you can even get by using it inside of, uh, you know, a virtual machine or Mm -hmm. you know uh you know contain you know to containerized so to speak but uh you could actually get away with that just you know running some vms and loading up uh you can try out different distributions that way you know just say okay i want to load up a, a few different ones so that way you can do things like tests and say okay well this definitely takes more ram than they recommend right. or i'm going to need more hard drive space so you can start planning out you know for when you make the make the commitment, what kind of system you're going to want. To kind of dovetail into what Emma was just saying, if somebody was interested in getting into sec the security side of Linux and open source and yeah. become a security researcher, it, it, I know the, the landscape is full of different certifications. So there's just a ton of stuff out there. And I think you bring up a good point. Just get started with Linux is kind of crucial here. But is there something oh. that, that – that you would recommend um, you kind of look into or kind of study if you were uh, considering becoming a researcher, a security researcher, or if you wanted to become a security researcher? Uh, yeah, I would say one of the, the first things I would do is just get more than one system at home, set up a home network, start seeing how this stuff works, uh, explore just, you know, like, okay, I'm going to play around with some programming. I'm going to play around with, you know, you know, making a web server. I, I just experiment and, and, you know, Hey, I'm going to get these computers talking to each other. I'm going to cable them up. I'm going to, there'll be areas where you'll figure out, Hey, I, I kind of like this stuff. And then from a security perspective, most of the certificates, uh, that you can go and get out there in the world are a complete waste of money. Okay. You can learn everything online. All right. There's plenty of resources in blogs. There's plenty of resources, just, you know, finding, you know, security websites, uh, uh, again, YouTube, 
uh, can be a good uh, good thing. Just do that. And then if you have this home network, you can try some of these things out like, oh, I'm going to set up a vulnerable Windows system and I'm going to attack it from my Linux server, you know, right. that, that kind of thing. And just experiment with that kind of stuff. I'm going to practice scanning. I'm going to set up a new system and I'm going to scan it and see what's what's vulnerable out of the box with this thing. Right. Uh, that's, that's, you know, you learn more by doing, I think. Right. Well, and, and hardware is, is a lot less expensive now, right, too. So um, like you had mentioned, getting a, an old laptop that someone had or an old desktop that grandma has or something like that and just putting it into your home lab to start your first home lab, I think is, mm-hmm. it's, the hardware is a lot more accessible today, that's for sure. Oh, very much so. And you can, and that's the thing. It's just like, once you make a decision, you can, you can get decent hardware, right? You can get real decent hardware. I mean, you know, yeah, the old hardware stuff is really good for trying things out. You will get impatient after a while though. And you will start saying, no, I'm going to get some really good stuff. (laughs) Right. Which I guess is kind of the whole point of system 76, right? You're providing really good stuff. So we, we do certainly try, we do certainly try. And, you know, uh, it's interesting me every day I go to work, the conversations that are had and, uh, you know, talking to uh, Jeremy, for example, about EC firmware, right. And, uh, kind of going down that rabbit hole and trying to understand that a little bit and wrap my brain around that. So I, I will say that, uh, there's a lot of work that goes on probably behind the scenes at system 76 that, that most people They'll never see. They'll never notice because whenever they get their machine, it just works. Right. Well, that's the thing. You were that's 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 a part of it. You're you're solving problems before to try to anticipate them being a problem that you're shipping. Right. <laughs> you know, you want to get those you want to get those solved uh, as as many of them as possible and get the, the features that people want. Absolutely. Well, I've I've you know throughout my uh, time with Linux, I've spent countless hours with different pieces of hardware trying to get different things to work, right? Whether that be, um, you know, back in the day, um, I cannot remember the name of it now, but uh, getting your Wi-Fi drivers to work and injecting basically the Windows drivers into Linux to get them to work. I oh, can't, yeah. I can't even remember the, the name of that now. I, uh, remember, I remember all that crap. Yeah, that. oh, that's that's terrible, terrible stuff. That's one of the things I will say. I That's why I – there's two reasons why I'm really fond of the Meerkat, for example, is uh, one of them, it's Intel-based – and there seems to be an ever so slight advantage when you're hooking up weird hardware things to computers. There seems to be less of a compatibility issue if you're starting with uh, Intel-based stuff as opposed to uh, uh, AMD. Okay. AMD does seem in a weird way to be kind of like... Uh, I don't know whether they actually are or not, but they give the appearance of being more cutting edge and that they seem to be willing to ship quicker mm-hmm. with things. And they end up working out the bugs in front of everybody. <laughs> right. And with the Intel step, I have a much better chance of plugging something in and it's going to, the driver is going to work a lot better and it's going to be painless. So that's, you know, and so I've been, I was, uh, uh, that's, that's really why I've been liking the meerkats. I'm tempted because I've got some tower type servers back there mm-hmm. that are massive power hogs that I'm thinking about just getting rid of them and replacing them with meerkats. I mean, uh, last interview in the last episode when we interviewed uh, Larry Pescatore over at Google, I mean, that's what they're using in one of the Android labs, you know, or several hundred meerkats just because they can pack them so closely together and get such, you know, uh, density out of out of the hardware and stuff. So, yeah, uh, well, I just need three. I don't need <laughs> several hundred. <laughs> yeah. Three more. So, I, you know, a total of five is fine with me. Is there anything that we didn't ask that you wanted to touch on? 
Um, I really can't. Uh, I really can't think of anything. I think we touched on a lot. I, I, I can't. I can't think of anything. Uh, do you have anything else that you can think of? You've you've been in the the, the computer field for a while. You've learned a lot. You're a security researcher. You've experienced a lot with Linux and kind of from its inception to kind of where it is today. Um, and just technology in general, there's just so much stuff that's kind of on the edge, right? Like you've got uh-huh. AI now that's, that, that's kind of a, a common word or a common phrase in many households and stuff today. Is there something that you see that's, that's maybe not quite there yet? Um, I know like earlier you had mentioned you had an opportunity to work with with AI like a decade ago, right, in, in data sets and stuff for AI. Is there something out there that maybe not a lot of people are really aware of right now, but something you think is going to be uh, really impactful for technology, not necessarily specifically Linux, um, but just technology related in the future? I can tell you what's on my wish list. Yeah? That's okay. Sad which is uh, kind of gets into that area, which is um, I would like us to end the password. I think the password is the absolute dumbest idea ever because it was something thrown together by an engineer mm-hmm. to basically try to uniquely identify an individual accessing something. Right. And the security elements of it, I mean, there have been countless full presentations on the most minor aspect of the technology used to try to secure passwords. And the best example I can give you uh, is the fact that we have two-factor authentication. Mm-hmm. The reason we have, and everyone recommends it because they say you need to have this second factor because that first factor is a dumpster fire of a bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to use this second thing all the time. Right. And, and you're at the point now where you're getting your pat, you're using some type of password manager. And it's generating this massive thing that you're never going to memorize. Mm-hmm. And you've got like 100, 200 accounts at different locations around the, the, the Internet or whatever. You can't remember any of them. And they've all got to be different. None of them can be the same. So you're not gonna, all you got to do is just remember that one big one that you use to get into the password manager. And then, so you, you already, you don't know what your password is. Right. So why don't you just eliminate it? And if you still want to do two factor, then make it something you have, like, you know, a Yubi key or whatever, and something you are like a fingerprint or a, you know, retina eye scan or something, you know, just right. a, bi- a biometric. And that's how you would log in. It's it just, it doesn't, it it doesn't make any sense and i i've been i've been hoping that would go away i thought by now especially you know even because we were kind of heading in that direction you know you know five ten years ago it looked like we were heading toward that we're still no closer you have this like things happen you know with you know the last pass thing happened you know Mm -hmm. just like oh why do we even have password managers? We shouldn't have to have passwords. You should yeah. just be able to uniquely identify yourself using the stuff you have with you, like your hands and your <laughs> your hardware key, right. and that uniquely and guarantee and guaranteedly uniquely identifies you. Absolutely. So, well, and YubiKeys have been, I mean, at least a decade. It feels like. Yeah, and even before then, I mean, like using yeah. the the uh, RSA keys, mm-hmm. you know, good lord, oh, those things, I hated them, but you know, uh, they were so ridiculous to use and, the, and to configure them and, and use them. And YubiKeys are like painless now, <laughs> right? You know, but people don't even think about it. It's so easy. It's just like it's plugged into my computer right now, and just like you know, I yep. 
I log in and I hit the button. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, I'm hoping that's what happens. I'm hoping that comes in the future. Well, I mean, humans aren't perfect, right? So whoever's making the thing, there's always the opportunity for somebody else to come behind them and say, Hey, this isn't right. You know, this is, this is broken here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and that's the other thing too. The other thing is that, uh, I'm hoping that the other part of the wish list is I'm hoping that eventually we won't have that security will become more and more integrated into everything so that people don't even think about it. You don't have to worry about someone clicking on a, you know, like, you know, your grandmother clicking on a phishing email or responding to a scam email or something like that uh, because they'll never see it. it. That's, that's the way computer security should be. It should be so seamless. You just don't even, you don't even think about it. That's and so that's what we have to do is get out of the way. So if if our listeners wanted to learn a little bit more about you and some of the research and stuff that you've done, I know that we had mentioned earlier marklovelist.net. Uh, is there is there another place you'd like to send them to to maybe learn a little bit more about you and some um, of the research you've done? Yeah, you could go to uh, let's see if I can spell this out properly. Uh, uh, if well go to uh, i'm on mastodon if you do a search if you know how to get onto mastodon and do a search in mastodon if you search for simple nomad on there you'll find me <clears throat> and it's like at simple nomad all one word at rigor-mortis.nmrc.org is the uh that's our mastodon server <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, in there, there's links to stuff. Like I have a, uh, a readme that's in my personal folder at, uh, at GitLab where I have references to some of the security research and stuff that I've done. So that might be a, a, a decent resource as awesome. well. But, uh, yeah, the, my email on, uh, uh, NMRC is, uh, uh, the gnome t-h-e-g-n-o-m-e at nmrc.org well i'd like to thank you so much for for coming on i i know that uh as i mentioned earlier you know we've kind of run in the same circles uh, a little bit especially mm-hmm. earlier on as i was discovering linux mm-hmm. um so when i had a chance to read your blog and i was like what he, he uses system 76 hardware <laughs> <laughs> and i hadn't talked to you in years as well and and um you know, I, I think people would definitely be missing out if they didn't go and kind of do their own research after hearing from you today and, and definitely dive into your blog because I think there's a lot of really interesting, really thought-provoking articles in there. Really dig in, really learn a lot about it. You know, you're a great guy, and, and yeah, I have no doubt good. in my mind that if somebody went through your stuff and, and did a lot of research and did a lot of reading about some of the stuff that you've mentioned, if they went to approach you, I'm sure you'd be just as nice to them. So oh, yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Yes, thank, thank you, so, you much. so much. Oh, yeah. Thank thank both of you guys. <laughs> and like I said, I'm, I'm a huge uh, System76 fan, Been been one for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I literally like two hours ago, I bought a little, uh, uh, one and a half inch, uh, rack thing that's supposed that in theory, I'm going to be able to put my, uh, my, uh, uh, two meerkats in there. And I just started thinking, God, I could, I guess I'm looking at the, the stats because I, I'm a complete power nut. If you go to the blog, you'll see that. I'm a complete mm-hmm. nut about power. I have a, a zillion solar panels on the roof, batteries. I can I can survive an EMP, believe it or not, uh, for, for the gear I have here. Uh, so uh, I'm really thinking about getting rid of those, you know, power-hungry towers and uh, just going with meerkats. Getting something uh, a little more efficient, yeah. They, I, I, I have been measuring the uh, the wattage use. They use about a quarter of what the t- the, the towers use when the towers are idle. Right. Yeah. Right. So at, at an idle thing, they're 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 barely. They're, I've got 
I think my internet modem uses more power. <laughs> my stupid AT&T modem uses more, pulls in more power than a meerkat. So. <laughs> Go figure. Also yeah. got a middle image that whenever you said you could survive an EMP, that your house is just covered in like a Faraday cage. That's, that's, uh, what well, my, I'm going to, I'm going to live with that middle image. Well, okay. But just as far as a spoiler, I did, I, there was a blog post in there about, uh, where I mentioned some stuff in one of the blog posts about EMPs. Uh, and a lot of it's myth. A lot of it is myth. I could believe it or not. I love it. Well, uh, Hey, anytime you're up here or, you know, whenever you do want to start traveling again, you know, and you, you happen to be in Denver or come coming through Denver, you know, let me know, reach out. And I would love to, to bring you on a tour of the factory and just show you where the sausage is made, you know? Oh my God, uh, that would be, I'll, I'll fanboy out. You know, just, <laughs> <laughs> I really would. I really would. That, that was the thing. It just like in the early days of the computer, as computers rose up, I used to love, like I called, I'd call, when my, my dad got an Apple II, not mm-hmm. a two plus, not a two E, an Apple II. And you could call up Apple there was at the time at the very beginning uh, there was a decent chance one of the two steves would answer the phone right you know and i even spoke to uh uh bill gates once on the phone because i called up microsoft and he wrote the program that i was having problems with wow everything and so you got to talk to these people or just like some of the early game things you had a question about a game you could you just would call it the company are just like fascinating to talk to these people. Absolutely. Most of them were just absolute brilliant and just wonderful to talk to. It didn't care that I was a kid calling except for Bill Gates. He was, he was kind of a jerk. Y'all have been told me I was stupid. <laughs> Why are you doing it that way? That's stupid. What's the matter with you? You idiot. Just like, uh, I'm a kid. Hello. <laughs> Give me a break. Give me a break. Yeah. Well, like I said, man, anytime you're here, uh, you know, you come up to Denver, you're more than welcome to come on, you know, and and check everything out. Um, One of the things I truly love about working at System 76 is that I get to work with like a a lot of interesting people, a lot of people that kind of specialize in one thing but everyone is a nerd somewhere else, right? Like we have Levi and QA killing it in QA, getting everything ready, but he's also incredibly fascinated with mechanical keyboards. So you could, you could come in with a handful of like pro Arduino pro micros and throw them on his desk and he would just freak out. Right. Because that means he can build more stuff. So, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's such an awesome place in that regard that, uh, you know, everyone is, is, is really good at what they do, but then, equally as cool at what they don't necessarily do for a living, but everyone has just amazing uh, projects and stuff that they're working on. So um, I'd love for you to have a chance not, not only to see the place, but to actually interact and chat with some of the, the people. Oh yeah. Here yeah. The that'd, be, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. For sure. For sure. I'm going to do it. I'll hit up. I'll hit up both areas wherever you're doing the hardware. Great. Wherever you're working on pop OS. Great. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I would definitely love to to get you in front of Jeremy and have you have an opportunity to speak with Jeremy because I think you would, uh, I think you would like Jeremy. Jeremy is uh, he's a great dude. He's an incredibly smart guy, um, and some of the work that's going into Pop and and Cosmic and the rewrite, it's similar to some of the stuff that you say you get incredibly excited about, right? That just might be the most menial stuff in the world. Like <laughs> yeah. I get incredibly excited about seeing something new coming to to Pop OS. So. Yeah, no, I get, you know, just, I, just, I, just, I get this. Yeah, it's just this, the, the same way. I just like dumb, just dumb things like just like Emma's super escape <laughs> tip. I just went, I was just, I just went nuts. It's just, oh my God, this solves so many, you know, which I mean, you know, a real first world problem, but <laughs> yeah. it's just like, oh, this solves so many problems. <laughs> I don't have to go over there and select this from the menu to lock the computer. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I'm going to wrap with just one last question before I hit the the stop button. Uh, mm-hmm. And this one just came to me. If there was a piece of hardware or piece of software that you could see System 76 making, or you would like to see System 76 make, what what 
piece of hardware or piece of software would that be? Um, somehow a, um, I would say a rack mount version, the marriage of a rack mount version with a meerkat. Okay. Okay. So you take something with a small, small form factor like that and make it rack mountable. And the other one, uh, would be, I really wish that I could get a hold of a, uh, kind of something that's the equivalent of a meerkat that's uh, flat and thin that you could actually, let's just say, make it a part of clothing. Okay. All right. That's, I mean, you know, that's, so get on that. Okay. <laughs> you know, go, go do that real quick. <laughs> it, it, well, it's crazy how thought provoking that is. And I instantly, my, my, the gears in my head start to turn. Yeah, well, just just so you know, it might have something to do with the project I'm working on. Okay. So now I just get, now I just have more questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. It's just like just it, I think a wearable computer okay. would, would would solve uh, solve some problems. <laughs>